0: Welcome! You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away, and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. So, the word made flesh... That's why we're here in this season of anticipation. I don't need you to read, no, I don't need you to read out loud. I don't need you to repeat after me. I'm going to read what's up on the screen. This is something that we recite together quite often at Mountain View Hermonis. So why don't you have a look at it too. We confess the mystery and wonder of God made flesh and rejoice in our great salvation Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. With the Father and the Holy Spirit, the Son created all things, sustains all things, and makes all things new. Truly God, He became truly man. Two natures, one person. He was born of the Virgin Mary and lived among us crucified dead and buried he rose on the third day ascended to heaven and will come again in glory and judgment for us he kept the law atoned for sin satisfied god's wrath he took on our filthy rags and gave us his righteous robe he's our prophet priest and king building his church interceding for us, and reigning over all things. Jesus Christ is Lord, and we praise His holy name forever. Amen. Now that's a confession, a statement of who Christ is. When we think about praise, there are several ways in which the Scripture presents to us this idea of praise. Uh, Sometimes it means to be lifting something up high, to be exalting. Other times it means to continually, obnoxiously talk and sing about something. To extol is a word that we often use. To show off the goodness and the greatness of God. That is to glorify, to make something big, to magnify, to express thankfulness. And, very simply, this is our baseline definition of praise today, to claim that something is true and right and good. To confess something. When I use this word confess, that's what it means. To claim that something is true and right and good. I don't mean confessing your sins, which is an important thing, okay? Okay? And when we confess sins, we're saying, God, this is true about me, but something else is true about You. And I need Your Son Jesus. Now in order to get to Christ in every part of this message today, I just want to start off by saying that if you know Jesus as your Savior, if that little confession that I read at the beginning, you know that to be true, then. You have been given the gift of faith and repentance by God through Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And before we go any further so that nothing gets in the way of you hearing Jesus Jesus born, living, crucified for you and risen for you this morning, know that your sins are forgiven. Know that your sins are forgiven. There is nothing Then, if you know Christ as your Savior, standing between you and Jesus and standing between you and the good news this morning. Mark, I hate to sound like a dummy, but how do I... That's how I do it. Okay, there we go. (laughs) That's how we do it. But how do we say that something is true and right and good? We have to know that thing, don't we? We have to know whatever it is. Now, in God's case... We know in several different ways, we know through creation that God exists. We can say that it is true that He exists. But we also know from His Word. Whenever I ask Finnegan, how, do we, how, do, how does God reveal, how does God show Himself to us? He gives me two words, through creation and through the Word. And here's the other good news for you and for I. The Word has been made flesh in the person and the work of Jesus for you. So we can know through these ways who God is. And through this, we also gain a language in order to respond to who God is and what He has done. I used to work as a baker. Okay, and I got this job as a baker by lying. They said, do you know how to bake? I said, yes. They said, we'll call you in two weeks to start. start." I said, thank you. And then instead of going home and telling Tara the good news, I drove to the library and I got the two best professional bread baking books I could find and I read them cover to cover. And you know what that did? It did not teach me how to make bread. Okay? It didn't. I tried, and Tara would remember this, but I just remember I'm, you know, I'm kneading it, and it's rising, and then it's so sticky that I can't do anything with it. I'm throwing it up against the wall at the house. I'm angry. But you know what it did do? It gave me the language that I needed to go into work two weeks from then and not sound like a complete idiot, Okay. So that when my boss told me, "Hey, wait, how's the crust on that? What's the crumb look like? Is there a good flake to it? Is it this and this and this and this?" I could say, "Yes, boss. Yes, boss. Yes, boss." Okay. And then after a year of doing this and being trained uh, by by my, I don't know, what to call, them? my my bread father, okay, I was apprenticing under him, and after a year, he finally thought, okay, you might, and the whole reason he hired me was so that he could go on a holiday, so after a year, he said, you might be competent enough to not mess everything up, and it was true. I was exhausted, but I didn't mess everything up, okay. Now, the interesting thing about that is, Mark, I'm sorry, I'm going to steal this. No, I'm not going to steal anything else. Yeah, I'm going to steal this. I'm going to use all the stands up here, okay? The other interesting thing about that was that when, um, when I went to go visit another bakery then, I could, I could say, hey, you know what? This bread... It's, I could, it's this and it's that. It's got a nice texture. I could tell it's risen for a long time. And I could go and I could give thanks to the other baker. I could praise the other baker's work. In fact, in Scripture, the first four uses of that word praise are simply one person saying something true and good and right about another person. Now, at that bakery, there was a darker side to that job. I'm kind of joking about that. But it was also a very fancy wine and liquor store. Now, at this particular time, I'm not knocking it entirely, but what I will say is this, that we had two young children. I had to wake up in the middle of the night to bake. I was training for ministry. Tara was working full-time. Needless to say, there was not a lot of time for wine and liquor in my life, okay? But inevitably I would have people come in and say, now what's the difference between this $100 bottle of wine and this $200 bottle, of, and I said dollar, bottle of wine, and I'd be like, about $100, <laughs> right? Okay. And, and so what did I have to do? I, I didn't have the time, the energy, the finances to take part in this good gift that God has given to us. And so what was I going to do? The internet, of course. So I went home and I read up everything that I, I took pictures of things on the shelves and I read up all about it. So that when a customer came in, I could, I could at least act like I was legitimately almost intelligent. All right. Until a customer comes in and says, hey, uh, what about this drink here? I don't know. I, yeah, all my favorite authors drank that drink. Of course, you should buy that. I mean, the price tag's overwhelming, but sure, if you want to spend that type of money. I didn't think about the fact that all of my favorite authors had died miserable, lonely deaths in darkness with their own thoughts, right? So, anyway, the next day the person comes back and says, Why would you sell this to me? It tasted like really off black licorice. And, oh, I'm like, I don't know. I, It seemed like a good idea. So I was praising something that I didn't know, right? I had the language. Actually, I knew how to describe it and what it was good for and all this type of stuff. But I didn't actually know that thing. I was speaking in ignorance. So through creation, through God's Word, through God's Word being made flesh... What we have here is the beginning of a vocabulary to respond to God in the way in which He wants us to respond to Him. Here's our big idea for today. God desires that we praise Him. God desires that we praise Him. And God has made Himself known in Jesus. Try to keep it as short as possible so you might remember it for like another couple of hours. You could say, God has made himself known through the person and work of Jesus. Here's the first way that praising is important for you. Praising well is important for you. And it's important for your life. Praising well is important for your life. I'm going to be going through a lot of Scripture. Forgive me and you're welcome. My other hope this morning, right, faith comes by hearing and renewed faith comes by hearing. My hope is that as we read text together or as you hear me read and you take notations, that something will be enlivened in you. If you're coming here this morning and the songs are empty, the prayers are empty, I just want you to know one thing, that's normal. It's normal. You don't have to fear that. In fact, the purpose of a confession like what I read earlier is so that when everything feels empty and you can't quite get yourself to that point, there are words that are available for you to use to praise God. We see this in Scripture. We see it in statements of faith like that. Praising well is important for your whole life, for your complete life. Now this is a bold claim because there are many people that you know that are going to make it through today and tomorrow and to their grave without praising or praising well. But we see this throughout all of Scripture. In the Psalms, we see it. In fact, what are the Psalms? Book of praises. That's what it means. And the Psalms are a mixed bag to say the very least. There are psalms, praises of joy. There are praises in midst of sorrow and ruin and sin. There are praises in fear. And there are praises in the midst of very hesitant faith. But in all of this, we see the psalmist praising In Psalm 63, verses 1-4, to we read this, O God, You are my God, earnestly I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh faints for You. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon You in the sanctuary, beholding Your power and glory. Because Your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise You. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Literally, the psalmist here is showing that his actual physical life is dependent upon praising God. And also his spiritual life. Why? Because these two things are combined, right? Our body and our spirit. These are inseparable inseparable things. They work in unison. They don't Well, they do fight against each other sometimes, but not in an eternal way. Or in Isaiah 43, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by My name. You are Mine. God's saying that to you as well. You are Mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba, in exchange for you. Continu- continuing on in chapter 43 to verse 21. The people whom I have formed for myself, that they might declare my praise why has God done all this to create a people <laughs> that praise him one of my favorite books is a book called American Gods it's where the multitude of gods that we see throughout the world feed off of our praise and worship this is not what we're talking about and yet there is a desire that God has for the people that he has created and formed for himself that Must understand that we are dependent upon our Creator, soul and spirit, body and mind, to praise Him. It's good and it is just and it is right to praise God, to say things that are true and good about Him. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11, we read this. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for, for you, all making prayer, sorry, always in every prayer of mine for you in all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ It is right for me to feel this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel for God is my witness how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul here is praying for the church in Philippi that they would be filled with understanding of who God is so that they too would praise Him and glorify Him. Praising well is important for your life. Praising well is also important for your discipleship. Now, we get all sorts of systems and schemes in our mind when we think about discipleship. Here's what I mean right now. Is that discipleship is you following after Jesus. And I don't mean WWJD, because you're going to fail at that. You don't die for the sins of the world, okay? What I am saying is this. That when you turn away from your sin and you turn to Christ and you see Him as your one and only hope and salvation and joy in this world and you live your life in the knowledge of that, this is discipleship. That's my definition right now. You can disagree with me later if you want. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5-18, to 18, we read this. I know it's a lot of text, okay? Does everyone have their seatbelt on? They got their mind turned on, right? Okay? Everyone with me still? Okay, I know. I know. I'm a weird foreigner up here talking to you. Forgive me. Hebrews chapter 2, 5 through 18. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the Son of Man that you would care for him? You made him for a little. While lower than the angels, you have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Who are we talking about now? In putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, under him, but we see him for a little while was for a little while was made lower than the angels. Who are we talking about? Namely, Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God He might taste death for everyone. Everything in the book of Hebrews is like a large neon sign pointing directly to Jesus. And here, what the writer of Hebrews is saying right there actually is just very specifically. This is a great summary of the Gospel. He tasted death for all of you. All of us. So that we don't have to taste death. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. Who are we talking about? Jesus. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children, of, and the children God has given me. Okay, let's stop there for a second. Uh, we could keep going. I want to keep reading that passage, passage of Hebrews. Um. But before we finish that passage, the writer of Hebrews here is quoting a psalm. And he's quoting Psalm 22. Here's a very interesting thing about Psalm 22. Okay, Put on your, your seatbelts. Put on your safety belts, right? Psalm 22 is a psalm of David. It's about David. And yet, we see here and elsewhere that it is very much a psalm about Jesus as well. In fact, the first lines of that psalm Why have you forsaken me? We know that Jesus utters this on the cross. And in Psalm 22, verses 22-23, to we read this, just like we read in Hebrews. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him and stand in awe of Him. All you offspring of Israel. What's going on here? The writer of Hebrews is saying that this is Jesus standing in the midst of His people leading us in song. Leading us in praise. In the context of that psalm, there's instruments and there's all sorts of good things happening. And the, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, that's Jesus. He's leading you in worship. Mark, you did a great job today. However, I'm sure that Mark, maybe you made a mistake. I didn't hear it, okay? But maybe you made a mistake. Maybe when you come before God and you offer up praise to Him, maybe it is empty. And that's okay. How can we say that? Jesus makes it okay. Jesus leads you in worship. He perfects your praise to the Father. He perfects your praise to the Father. Four times in Scripture, we see Jesus leading in praise, in song. Two in the Gospels, and it's maybe the same time. And you actually have Him leading the disciples in song. Elsewhere in the New Testament, we see Him actually leading the band, as it were. And then here, we see Him being the one, up front praising, being an example to us. Jesus perfects your praise so that your praise doesn't have to be perfect. Praising well is important for your discipleship and understanding that Jesus praises perfectly and is there to lead you through that is important for your discipleship as well. Follow Him in that. Turn to Jesus in that. Turn away from yourself. So often we come to church and we're like, okay God, I'm going to give you some good praise today, right? It's transactional. It's, I'm going to give you this, and I know that you've given me this. Thank you. Thank you. When in reality, we need to understand that it is all gift. It is all grace. It's all gift to you. Jesus Himself is gift to you. Jesus leading you in song, uh, perfectly praising on your behalf, is gift to you you, we receive that gift at the cross. Praising well is also important for your neighbor. Um, You should go back and read the rest of Hebrews chapter chapter 2. I skipped Romans uh, 15 verses 8 to 13. Um, Yeah, that's okay. We'll leave it. You should read it, okay? In Romans 15, we see uh, Paul quoting Psalm 18, and uh, that's where Jesus is leading with instruments. Praising well is important for your neighbor. Um, whether it's with sifa threads, giving good gifts to others, this is a season of good gifts. Namely, gifts that we receive. We're also going to see here in just a couple of minutes that us giving ourselves and our good works are praise as well. And yet, remember, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. 1 Peter chapter 3 or chapter 1 verses 3 to 9 we read this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he caused us to be Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable. Never going to fade. It's never going to die. Undefiled. Nothing can be taken away from it. Unfading. Kept in heaven for you. What did we just read? Jesus sacrificed himself himself for you. Your salvation is being kept safe for you. and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. If you're a Christian here today, and what you just heard is that God tests your faith to make sure that it's real, you misunderstood. God tests your faith to prove to you that it is real. God tests your faith to prove to you that it is real. So that even in the hardest of times, when you go to praise, you know that your salvation, your soul, your self, your faith is being guarded for you. It is imperishable. It is undefiled. It is unfading. Perfectly. Kept for you. Oftentimes, it's our disposition to put a smile on our face. We know that we should be happy as Christians. No offense, Mark, we should be happy. Uh, (laughs) We know that we should be happy. We should at least look happy, even if we're not. But the reality is... That you're not always going to look happy, right? In the midst of suffering, in the midst of the testing of your faith, it's okay to not look happy. In fact, you walk by people each and every day that don't look happy. In fact, you walk by, work next to, live with people every single day that aren't happy. They have nothing that is undefiled, nothing that is unfading, nothing that is indestructible. They don't have that. Everything will rust and fade and be eaten by moths. Your praising in the midst of your suffering is important for your neighbor. Even if that praise looks different than a loud voice or a smile on your face. And here's how I can go so far as to say that it's important for your neighbor. Revelation chapter 7, you probably know it. After this I looked and behold Saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. We have a salvation that is given to us, gifted to us, and yet it still belongs to God. And in fact, in Revelation chapter 7 here, we get a sense that that is why we praise. God, his person, and his salvation are so closely tied to one another that to know one of them is to know the other. There is no salvation apart from knowing God, more specifically in the person and work of Jesus. There is no salvation apart from God himself, there is no true praise without true knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is, His person, and His work. Praising well is also important for your waiting. And that's what this season is, right? Anticipation. Liturgically speaking, my liturgical shenanigans is this. It's a season of Advent. This word comes from the Latin. It means approaching or coming closer. That's what we're doing in the season of anticipation. It's like there's a light far off in the distance and it's growing ever so slowly and it's coming towards us. And we are waiting with anxious anticipation for that light to appear in all of its fullness and all of its glory. In Hebrews chapter 13, we read this. Through Him, Jesus then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Sacrifice of praise. That's weird. okay? That's a weird phrase. That our praises are sacri- extolling, are exalting, are lifting up high, right? Are shouting out, are praising in the midst of sadness and in suffering and in joy. Are confessing something that is true. It's a sacrifice of praise. What can this mean? Ah, the writer of Hebrews tells us. That is, the fruit of the lips that acknowledge His name. Wow. I don't know what that means, actually. (laughs) Right? I like to put good fruit in my lips. Here what we're talking about is good fruit that's coming off of my lips. What is this good fruit? It is a good fruit. It's a good seed that has been planted in you. It is your faith. It is your response to God. It's your understanding who God is and what Christ has done for you. And the spilling back out of that good news from your lips. Confessing that truth back to God about who He is. And who Jesus is. And what He has done for you and for me. But there's more. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices. Ah, this too is that sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips, the words that we use, words are important, words have meaning, also actions have meaning. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Praising well is important in your waiting. Important for your neighbor, and it's important while you wait. One more time, here's our big idea. God desires that we praise Him. God has made Himself known in Jesus. To praise well, we should know Jesus well. My timer went off two minutes ago. I'm going to take two more minutes. Mark, I think you preached like really long in Hermanos, so this is this just this is right and it's good and it's just. No. <laughs> um, over the past couple of weeks, we've been moving uh, from one house to another house. We've been having to put a bunch of stuff in storage. Uh, ministry has been good and yet absolutely unstable. People are coming to the church and people are leaving the church. Good reasons, okay? Good reasons, and yet it's. Destabilizing and our children, they're in a funk, right? We've just picked them up and we've put them into a new house and we've stashed about 80% of their toys in a storage unit and they don't know what's going on. They know, they understand, they use words that say they know, but then they act like they don't know. Tara looks at me and she says, Wade, you say you understand, and it looks like you don't know, okay? And, And it's true. It's true. I'm all discombobulated. And I I feel like I have no locality. I have no location underneath my feet. And the whole moving process, whoa, it was hectic. And this last week has been stressful. And I would be lying to you if I said, man, I've really been praising well these last two weeks. Because the reality is, Good fruit of praise that Jesus has wrought, has worked out in my life through the gift of faith and repentance has not been close to my lips. Uh, Many other things have been close to my lips. Recently, we preached through some psalms at Mountain View Hermanus. Psalm 109, one of my favorite psalms. Uh, The psalmist screams out, he's being accursed and all this stuff, and he says, you know what? May that person's children... Be fatherless. And may his wife be a widow. Those are the types of words that have been close to my lips over the last couple of weeks. It's true. If you're hearing me say today that you must praise well in your waiting, that you must praise well for your neighbor, that you must praise well in your discipleship, You must praise well in your whole life or else then you're hearing me wrong. Jesus lived a perfect life. He covered over our sins with His righteousness. He died a death for us. He tasted death for all of us. He praises perfectly when our praise is incomplete and imperfect. Your praise is important. God desires it. But your praise isn't perfect. And Christian, it doesn't need to be. My um, task this morning, as always, is to preach Christ crucified. I hope that you've heard that. And I hope that you have heard that that was for you. he did that so that in the midst of doubt or suffering or whatever it may be you can confess back to god that you know that that is true you can take great comfort in it let me tell you what that does that frees up your praise it frees up your praise to be half-hearted and imperfect and the wrong words to come out of your mouth because you have been forgiven Let me pray for us. God, we praise you this morning and it is good to praise you. To rejoice in you as our creator and as our salvation. We praise you for your son's victory over Satan, sin, death, and hell. God, you build up what was once broken. You gather outsiders and rejects. You heal our hearts and make us whole. And You bind our brokenness in sin every single day. God, I come to You this morning as a sinner in my own sight. But I take great comfort to know that You have done a work that I could not. That we could not. And that You have made us right and righteous through Your Son, Jesus. Thank You for the death that Jesus died for us. Thank You that His life has counted as ours. Thank You that we know Christ will hold us fast. We hold on to the promise and the hope of Your steadfast love, God. Thank you that Jesus graciously exercises authority in and over all things. God, we ask that you would constantly prepare and strengthen us in your Spirit so that we will greet with praise and joy the coming again of Jesus, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. And remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.